The journey that I've been on is something that has been weighing on my mind over the last few months. I recently quit my job in what I thought was the beginning of a dream career. And it turns out that it was not what I thought it was. And that was really difficult to handle going through those emotions and realizing that the career that I was so excited to get going was something that I actually didn't want anything to do with, not a long time after it started. But to understand the context of this story, we have to go back. I like to call this the joy of starting over. Why I quit my dream to be a sports broadcaster. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a sports broadcaster because of the emotions that they evoked whenever I watched games. This particularly came into existence during the time of the 2006 World Cup. It was the first time I ever fell in love with sports. And of course, it was none other than the beautiful game. The exposure of soccer existed because of my parents being from Brazil and Portugal. And that soon trickled into other sports, such as basketball, and then eventually into American slash Canadian football. So as I got older, I really wanted to be involved in sports somehow. I liked playing. I liked doing broadcasting stuff. And then when I was in high school, I really wanted to play football. I was so, so desperate to play football because I just wanted to be a kicker. It was the, the, the marriage of two things that I really loved. Playing soccer, kicking a soccer ball, and playing football. The exhilarating rush of, of the game. So then, when I entered high school, I tried out for the football team four years in a row. The first year, got cut. The second year, got cut again. The third year, got cut. And the last and final year, I figured it was worth continuing because I'd already tried out all this many times. Why not do the last one? And sure enough, the fourth time was the charm. I made the team. And the journey that we went on was remarkable. We ended up winning the championship. I ended up scoring a touchdown on a miraculous play in the final game after one of the biggest blunders that I ever committed and missing such a short field goal. And I remember after that night feeling this extreme sense of euphoria that I never, ever had felt before. It was that feeling of success and winning. And I knew I just wanted to continue it and keep following it and chasing it. So then I ended up looking up how to play football after high school. Long story short, I had an opportunity to play junior football and went out to BC to play with the VI Raiders. The first year was a lot of learning emotions or the first year was a lot of learning how to navigate living on your own, to be honest, more than it was playing football because that was the biggest step in growth. And then the second year, it was a lot more fun. Then the third year, I realized I didn't want to continue with doing school at two universities, going back and forth. So a university opportunity presented itself at Calgary. I went there, and the studying was great. I met a lot of great friends. The football experience was very difficult, mainly because I wasn't playing. And I think the main reason why everyone plays high-level sports is to play. At the very, very least. So after that year was over, I knew that there wasn't an opportunity for me to play there. So I left. Back to Winnipeg, 
and hit the reset button. I didn't know how long I would be there for or what would happen. I go back to Winnipeg. My experience playing junior there was not bad, but I realized I still wanted more. I was still chasing a higher level and I wasn't satisfied with where I was at. So then I went back to BC to play for the final year of eligibility in junior. I ended up having a great time in the first half of the season and the second half of the season was not a good time. I ended up leaving earlier than I expected because I was so fed up and frustrated with what goes on in the politics of football, the things behind the scenes that no one really talks about and just how that life really wasn't for me anymore. I felt that I didn't resonate with the attitudes that my teammates had about how they wanted to live and what they wanted to do. And I felt that there had to be more to life than just trying to play football at the highest level. When I first started, I had the goal of playing in the CFL, but as time went on, I really didn't know if that was A, achievable, or B, if it was even worth it. I had met a few people along the way who had actually played in the league, and it didn't really seem as glamorous as I had once thought when I was younger. So after I tried out for university football for the final time and got cut, there was a bit of a transition period of feeling lost for a few days. But sure enough, as fate would have it, I ended up getting an opportunity to do some broadcasting work with the home university football team in Manitoba. It was an amazing experience. It was so fun. I couldn't imagine something that was more fun that didn't have to do with playing the sport of football. And that was in 2019. It was a great time. I felt like I had a sense of direction. And then all of a sudden, 2020 happened. So then, as the world stopped for most people, I had to look myself in the mirror and ask myself the question, what is it that I really want to do the most? And sure enough, the answer hearkened back to what came naturally to me as a kid, being in sports broadcasting. When I was in high school, there was a university in Toronto that opened a sports media program for the first time. I remember the excitement of the thought of applying, but then the immediate fear that washed over me as soon as I thought about the competitive nature of applying to a school in Toronto, living there on your own at 18 years old, the amount of money I would have to spend and or borrow just to do this program with no guarantee as to what would happen after you graduate. So I veered away and chose football instead. And eight years later, this calling came back to me. So I decided since there was nothing else for people to do during that time, to start a podcast. And that podcast led me along a journey to eventually a permanent full-time job in the industry, in a medium-sized market, more than I could have asked for. I had great conversations, enjoyed connecting and networking with a lot of people in the sports industry, from players to athletes to coaches to media members. And as soon as I got the call saying that, I was going to get offered a job and get to move to Saskatchewan. It was just a huge sigh of relief. I remember feeling so excited and I couldn't wait to get started finally after all the hard work I put in over two years and all the different things I did. It was finally coming together. But what I didn't realize was that the magic soon faded quicker than I thought. As time had gone on in my job, I started to realize a few things that I didn't really think about before. Now, mind you, 
at the same time, I actually didn't know what to expect at all because I had never had any experience working formally in the sports industry. Sure, I'd work with Bison Sports, but that wasn't really typical. It was more part-time and casual than it was you're working in the office 40 hours a week and then some like everyone else. So as time went on, I started to realize that I was kind of working an office job that just so happened to be about sports. And that was a really, really hard pill to swallow. I didn't even conceptualize it properly until maybe several months into working the job. Within the first few weeks, there was an event held on a Friday morning where everyone gathered together around the kitchen and they they drew names and they had these little events and games that honestly seemed like it was out of the, an episode of The Office. And I remember one of the guys asking me, he's like, hey, like, oh, what did it feel like? You know, you're new, you just started, like, how was the energy of that event? And I was like, oh, I straight up said to him, I was like, oh, kind of felt like being in an episode of The Office. But the reason why saying that kind of didn't really roll off my tongue as well as I would have liked is because of the fact I knew that The Office is a parody about the dread of working in an office, not necessarily the excitement. It's the humor that exists around all the stereotypes and cliches of typical office jobs. So things were humming along and I just assumed eventually it would come together. Eventually I would feel super excited and fulfilled with my work. And as the days blurred together, I realized it was like living Groundhog Day. Every day I woke up, it was the same routine. You wake up, you go there, you think about what you're going to talk about, you go and reach out to people, you have the show, you go home. And at night, you watch sports, you try to keep up with what's going on, you think about who you want to talk to, and you wake up and do the same thing again the next day. The exciting part for me was that I love the CFL, and I had moved during the middle of the season. The thing that was even greater was that the Great Cup was being hosted in Saskatchewan. It couldn't have been a more perfect match for me, someone who is so well-connected with people in the CFL at such a young age and has been such a big fan of the sport for a long time. And so then it came, the week of the Great Cup. Things were going pretty well. And I remember that my boss had said to me that there was a special opportunity to go out and film content for social media because we wanted to promote the fact that the Great Cup is here and get eyeballs and ears watching and listening to our program. It almost seemed like I'd broken free a bit because I remember every day during that week going out, recording interviews, not having to worry about doing the same stereotypical, same typical thing over and over each day. And it was so fun. It was just a great time socially interacting, getting to talk with people. Whereas usually I would never get the chance to talk to more than three different people, to be honest. And there was this buzz around the city and it felt so awesome to be involved in it. And you felt like you were just a part of this big, awesome event. Then the day the Great Cup came and it was a crazy game, went back and forth. And as soon as the game ended, 
the excitement just seems to vanish. Growing up in Winnipeg, you grow up as a Bombers fan if you cheer for any team in the CFL, unless you have family from Saskatchewan, of course. And I remember that my friends had come out, my girlfriend, to watch the game and to be there. And I was trying to balance the best of both worlds because I knew I had a job to do. But at the same time, I didn't get much time to see people that I really cared about because I was all alone in Saskatchewan. So as soon as the game ended, that deflating feeling of the loss just washed over us. And I knew that I had to go right away to take care of my job. I had to stay for about an extra hour or two after the game, filming videos, doing stuff for work. And the thing that sucked was, man, not only did they lose the game, but I have to go to work tomorrow. We can't even hang out. I can't spend time with anyone. I have to wake up and go right away without getting to say goodbye, really, to my friends or my girlfriend. And that whole week following it was very depressing. I felt really low in terms of my energy I didn't really feel excited to be at work. And it was over that five-day five span that it really hit me where I realized, oh, I actually don't like doing this. I like doing the part where you go out, do interviews, have fun, socially interact, all those sorts of things. And I started to quickly realize maybe this isn't what I thought it was. Now, obviously, when you go through an emotional whirlwind like that, you don't really know what to make of it as you're in the middle of it. There was a lot of nights where I lost sleep and didn't know what to think, didn't know what to say. It was really difficult to wrap my head around what it was I really wanted to do because I just felt so blah about going to work and doing the same thing over and over after I'd had a taste of being able to feel excited, feel fulfillment, feel joy, the same joy I felt when I did my podcast and interviewed people in the world of sports. And I realized that I probably wasn't going to get to do something like that for a while. And should I mortgage or trade years of time in order for me to maybe get somewhere that might be in a similar realm? Because the limitation of radio is that you're only talking about the church of what's happening now. You're not really talking about whatever it is that you want, unless you're like Pat McAfee or or someone who's a, a huge media personality, almost like a celebrity. And so those realizations were starting to manifest in my mind and it was really difficult to handle while still going to work, putting my best foot forward and trying to learn as much as I could. A conversation I had with my boss the week after the Great Cup was what really shook me. He called me into his office and he asked me, how did you feel like you did during the Great Cup? And I said, you know what? I felt like I did pretty well, but there was obviously some things I probably could have done better. And I feel like there was some miscommunication on my part when it came to the actual day of the Grey Cup. Being Trying to be modest and not act like I'm too perfect, but also I wanted to be confident in what I did because I felt like we had posted tons of content all over social media and were far more active than any other people who were covering the Grey Cup, except for the CFL, of course. And then immediately after that, he said to me, well, we didn't think you did a very good job. And immediately I sunk into my chair, feeling fear as to not knowing where this conversation was about to go. And then what happened was he asked me this question that shook me to my core. 
Do you regret taking this job? I was speechless. I almost didn't know what to say right away. I was starting to wonder as I sat there in the chair, thinking to myself, am I being coerced into quitting? Or are they trying to give a hint that they want to fire me? I was scared shitless. I didn't know what to think. My knee-jerk reaction was, no, I don't regret taking it because what else would I have done? Continue to go to school in Toronto and had to be stuck with living in the most expensive city in Canada, working a job that probably paid less? No, I didn't regret taking it, I said to him. But that question, I couldn't get out of my mind. And we talked for about 30 minutes. And he had said to me, well, what is it you really want to do? And I said, well... I eventually want to do something on my own someday, but I'm not really sure. And he said to me, he's like, well, if you want to do something on your own, then why don't you just do it right now? And I said, I don't know if I feel ready. So he said to me, well, you know, if you stay here and keep working hard, then we can help make you a star. Then you can eventually branch out and do something on your own. After the conversation happened, I remember feeling so panicked because I felt so unconfident and I didn't know what to do. And I didn't really know who I could turn to. I dropped out of college to get this job. And I remember when I left Toronto, all my classmates were saying to me, oh man, you're the first major success. You're going to be on TSN someday. I know it. The professors, everyone was touting me as if I was already a folk legend or a hero, just based on the fact that I got a job before school even finished. And as soon as I had that conversation with my boss, I immediately felt tons of shame, fear, and uncertainty around what people would think. What would people say if I got this job and was seen as this big hero? And then all of a sudden, I actually don't even know if I like this anymore. And I don't even know what I'm going to do next or if I want to continue being in this industry at all. It was a really difficult time. And the thing is, I didn't really feel like I had a lot of people to turn to. And part of the reason why I wanted to share this story is because I feel like a lot more people go through this than is actually advertised. A lot of people who I've talked to in the time since I left my job have asked me questions about how did you get your foot in the door in this industry? Or how did you get your foot in the door with this kind of job? Because I don't feel satisfied with my job. I don't really like what I'm doing, but I feel stuck. And I think what I'm starting to notice is an increasing number of people who actually are stuck or really don't like the job that they're in or don't like the career choice they made. And the idea of changing, especially if there's expectations around what other people think they should do, it's so, it's just so difficult to change. The thought of what other people will say, if you have to make less money, how you're going to get there, all these sorts of things are going to whirl around in your mind and it's just going to seem paralyzing. And what often ends up happening is that most people don't take the leap. They don't leave the situation. They just keep going and they either bottle it up or they go until a decision is made for them that either they're fired or the job is no longer available for them. So now, here I am, living along what Paul Millard, who wrote the book that 
kind of inspired me to start this is called the pathless path. I remember coming across it through scrolling on Twitter a few months into the new year. And it seemed like the message really spoke to me. Some of the decisions that I'd made after Christmas and going into the new year were ones that I wanted to help me with developing a stronger mindset. I wanted to invest more in myself. I wanted to make sure that I was actually putting my money where my mouth was rather than just miraculously hoping that things would change or that some amazing opportunity would come and sweep me off my feet out of what felt like being in a prison. I had to actually take action to get closer to that or to actually put myself in a position to transition into something else and not necessarily feel stuck. I obviously still had bills to pay and it's not very easy to just up and quit, especially if you have a lease to pay, if you don't have another source of income, or if you're not super, super rich or have people like your parents or other family members that can just write you a blank check. So I remember I decided that I was going to start working out. I wanted to invest in a personal trainer. That was the first investment I made in myself. After about a month of time, I started to see results. It was really encouraging and inspiring. I felt a renewed sense of energy. I felt way stronger. I felt way better about the foods I was eating, knowing what it was that I was putting in my body, knowing that I was actually taking steps to preventing disease, to making myself the healthiest and strongest version of who I can be. And I said to myself, you know what? Yes, I still am going to go and do my job. But at the end of the day, I need to make sure that it's not coming at the cost of my health and my fitness and my mental well-being. So working out was the first thing that I knew through inspiration from friends I follow and from some other guests that you'll listen to on this podcast that if I was going to conquer anything in my life, it had to start with my body. It had to start with my own fitness and health. And as time went on, I started to realize, wow, this is really important to me. I love learning about what it is I'm eating, learning how to get stronger, going to the gym consistently. It was something that brought me so much joy. And I didn't really have to worry much about anything else other than going to the gym, lifting, eating well, and just being focused on my, on my physical and mental health. And as the months went on at my job, I started to realize more and more each day, you know what? My hunches before were right. If I project down the line and look at people who are 10, 20, 30 years into a career in this industry, most of them don't live lives that I would want to live. Most of them have to sacrifice their time for their job. Most of them sacrifice their health for their job. And at the end of the day, unless you become the greatest of the greatest in the US, that is, even still some of the Canadians maybe aren't getting paid as much as you would want to, to have to make those kinds of sacrifices, the pay isn't as great as advertised. Now, I'm not saying this because I only do things for the top dollar and I'm all about making money and I'm so obsessed with money. No, if you really love and enjoy what you're doing, then sometimes the dollars and cents difference isn't really a big deal. But if you don't love what you're doing, then the dollars and cents difference seems like a way bigger deal. But what I realized was, is this really about money? Do I even love what I'm doing here? 
Do I have the freedom to do what it is that I want? When I look at my peers, are they people that I aspire to be like? Do they take care of themselves in the ways that I do and that I prioritize? The answer most of the time when I looked around was no. And the answer most of the time when I talked about going to the gym or when I mentioned that I was working out, I was often met with backhanded comments or sarcastic snide remarks about wanting to get swole or people saying things about, oh, well, you're just a health nut or whatever. I'm not even, I'm not even, and at that point, I wasn't even super obsessed with learning about every single little nitty bitty, nitty gritty detail about what it was I was eating, the exercises I was doing and all that stuff. Man, it was almost like they were looking at me as if I was a personal trainer or or as if I was a bodybuilder or something. And that was just like two months into working out consistently. That was the most consistently I'd ever worked out in my entire life including during the time that I spent as an athlete because I was working out five days a week. I'd only ever worked out three days a week before that. But I knew this was something I wanted to continue. And I realized if this is going to get in the way of me being able to perform my job and I have to make a decision to leave, then I might just have to do that because I don't want to sacrifice my health any longer for a job. It's never worth it. Your health and your time are two of the most important assets that you will ever have in your life. So then an opportunity came a few months into the new year where I said to myself, okay, if I feel like I can't stand this much longer, I actually need to start looking for other options. So when one presented itself, the scary decision was on the table. I had to really dig deep consult with a few close friends and ask myself, what to me is more important? Having a job that allows me to live the lifestyle that is going to make me the best version of myself or continuing to go through with something that I know I don't feel the most fulfilled with, but pays me more money. I made the scary decision to take the job that was going to fit my lifestyle more despite making less money. And while I know that nine out of 10 people in the same situation wouldn't make the same decision I did, I knew that if I wanted to live differently and in a way that was going to allow me the freedom to really live outside the lines of what most people live like, then I had to make the scary decision. And that's the reason why I named this podcast Living Outside the Lines. It's for people who, like myself in my recent journeys, have felt stuck with not knowing what it is that they want to do in life, but they know what they prioritize in terms of health, family, friends, fitness, all those sorts of things. And I want you to join me along this journey to learn how to navigate when you're living outside the lines and you're not really doing things that are traditional or within certain societal norms. And a lot of people are going to say things to you that are very dismissive. They're going to look at you weird. They're going to ask you, what do you do for work? And if you can't explain it in two words, they're going to dismiss it as something kooky or crazy or some other BS. So I appreciate you listening to the story. And I'm excited for you to join me along this journey as I live outside the lines.